Hello, and welcome to the first episode of 50 Stories of Transformation in 2022. I'm your host, Mikhail Mays, and uh, I hope y'all had a wonderful Christmas and a very happy New Year's. Um, My Christmas was filled with traveling to Florida, South Carolina, then back up to Pennsylvania, and then back to Maryland. So lots of traveling, but hey, apparently when you get married, you get like three Christmases, which means you also get three Christmas dinners, and I'm not complaining about that. So anyway, it was a lovely holiday season, but I am very glad to be back here jumping into fun transformation stories with y'all. So this week we are heading into story number 42. And just in case you're a new listener or you just kind of need a refresher on what this podcast is all about because we've been gone for two weeks, uh, I have a quick rundown here just to get you up to speed. So this podcast, 50 Stories of Transformation, is a podcast sponsored by the Baptist Resource Network of Pennsylvania, South Jersey. And now that's an organization that is dedicated to helping, guiding, and providing resources for Baptist churches in Pennsylvania and South Jersey. And this handy dandy podcast is one of those resources because it was created to keep track of some of the awesome transformative things that God has done and is doing through the Baptist Resource Network. So we're sitting down and talking with pastors and missionaries and churches uh, just about, you know, how they've seen God work in their lives. Um, And since the BRN celebrated 50 years recently, we are doing 50 stories. So um, yeah, in a nutshell, that's what you're getting yourself into. And I promise it is all good stuff. So thank you for joining us, and as I previously mentioned, this week we are heading into story number 42. So for this week's story, we have the joy of being joined by Pastor Stuart Red Kay, who is the Associate Pastor of Family Ministry at Big Woods Bible Church in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. And let me tell you, his testimony is real proof that God never stops chasing after his people. Um, You see, Stuart grew up in the church, he enjoyed going to youth group, uh, but eventually as he got older and uh, just kind of saw some of his Christian friends, Christian in quotes there, not acting very Christ-like, he decided to do some of his own research and started to find that his beliefs aligned more with atheism. So he started to identify as an atheist, denouncing his faith in Christ, and then God happened later in life. During his years at college at Lock Haven University, he found himself attending a college ministry gathering. And uh, to find out the rest, you're just going to have to keep listening because I don't want to give away how Stuart went from point A to point B. That's right. Atheist to believer. See what I did there? Haha. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, I really do want you guys to just enjoy this story, hearing it from Stuart's perspective, and then just seeing how God has completely changed his heart and is now using him in ministry. It's super cool and uh, glad you guys are getting to hear it this week. So thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here is story number 42 and my conversation with Pastor Stuart Redkay. All right, so to start, um, will you just share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? Um, That can include where you're currently serving, your title there, how long you've been in ministry, and maybe any family fun facts or fun hobbies. Uh, sure. Um, I'm Stuart Redkin. I'm currently doing ministry in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm married to a beautiful, godly woman named Cheyenne, and we were blessed with a son last year who will be turning one shortly. Um, I'm the associate pastor of family ministries at Bigwoods Bible Church. Um, I oversee all ministry um, from birth through high school, graduation, as well as assist with coordinating ministry to families within the church, and particularly parents. Um, I've been doing this job for a little bit under the year, but prior to this, I was the uh, on staff as the youth pastor since 2016. Okay. Um, outside of this, um, 
I like cooking and board games. I'm an MDiv student at a Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I guess. Woohoo, we like Midwestern. Yeah. Well, I can only say it because my husband goes there, but <laughs> cool. All right. Awesome. So a lot of people listening are probably like, well, I asked the first question a little bit differently. Well, that's because Stuart's story starts pretty early in your life, correct? Um, earlier, yeah. Okay. So you grew up in the church um, and then you started questioning Christianity around college? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a mega church um, in Southern Pennsylvania. And in all honesty, I loved, I loved youth group. I'll say I loved youth group, maybe not so much the church. I loved youth group. Loved retreats, all-nighters, uh, paintball, whatever it might be. Um, but eventually people leave youth group. Um, after high school graduation, I attended a Bible college with the intention of being a youth pastor. Um, my thought process at that point was literally, I like youth group. I want to do retreats and all-nighters and get paid for it. Um, if that doesn't quite give it away, I had no concept of what it actually meant to be a pastor. Um, and I really had no concept um, or solid grasp of the gospel either. Um, during my first semester of uh, Bible college, interactions with multiple um, Christians would, in all honesty, leave a really bad taste in my mouth. Um, I'd look at these individual, individuals and be like, okay, you claim to love God and love others, but you act this way or you do these things. Um, and, and during this first semester as well, so I would have been 18 right out of school, um, I would come to find out that a friend of mine had been um, uh, sexually assaulted by a church leader. Oh um, and um, through all of this happening, I, I really grew to hate the church and hate Christians. Um, so after that first semester, um, I, I went out for military training. Um, I had enlisted at 18 um, in the Air National Guard. And they said, okay, it's going to be a couple months. Start college, do whatever. We'll give you a, a phone call when we've got a training slot open for you. So right after that first semester, I left for training. And I would eventually be gone for a whole year. Um, to get all of my training done and during that year um, didn't like the church didn't want anything to do with it but I was trying to sort of intellectually what do I do with this mm. um, so I started reading and doing research on my own um, and that research was pretty much in one vein um, atheism so whether it was Christopher Hitchens Richard Dawkins Sam Harris Bertrand Russell um, Daniel Dennett um, reading all this throughout that coming year um, I would become fairly convinced in my mind of atheism but would become more vocal about it in the months um, to come. Um, so came back, had, had um, one random semester, I was trying to mess around with what to do, and then came to Lock Haven University. Um, so this would be um, two years, year and a half um, after I became an atheist, I would eventually come to Lock Haven University. Um, convinced in my mind of myself being correct and being um, incredibly vocal about it at that point. So what, do you know the year that that was when you came to Lock Haven? I would have come to Lock Haven in um, 2012. Okay, so 2012, you're going to Lock Haven, you're proclaiming to be an atheist. And so I'm curious, what, what were some of your biggest questions or doubts as an atheist? Like what kind of convinced you to go that route? Um, probably the biggest thing, um, biggest issues being Christian, um, being viewing them as I did as horrendously um, hypocritical. Um, and to back up what I would have argued um, as an objective viewpoint against Christianity, I, I had developed plenty of arguments against historicity of the Old, of the Old Testament, uh, contradictions in the New Testament, moral arguments against things such as tolerance of slavery, um, existence of evil in the world, et cetera. And beyond that as well, I mean, there's certainly a degree of sinfulness of 
we want to live how we want to live and, and not be told how to how to do so. Um, so would there be one in particular question? No, but there was plenty of uh, differing factors coming into that. Okay. Um, I would say that contributed to it. Okay. So then what changed your mind about God? So I got to kind of back up a little bit for this. Okay. So if you don't mind me being slightly long-winded, um, I would eventually transfer to Lock Haven um, into their pre-med program. I was trained as a medic in the military and actually found out that I loved doing medicine. So I went to a Lock Haven for the purpose of uh, eventually going to med school. Um, and I heard about this college ministry called New Life before I arrived. Um, but when I arrived on campus, um, one thing I noticed the very first day there is there was chalk murals and advertisements for this um, uh, college ministry everywhere. Um, you couldn't get from one class to another without seeing like six of them and not like small ones. I mean like six foot by four foot, massive things um, drawn on sidewalks and on stairways and everything. Um, I, I heard later on that they actually got in a lot of trouble because they put so much advertisements all over the campus that the administration was a little bit annoyed with them. Um, but there was just so much of it. And I'm like, and I was bored. I mean, I didn't know anyone. This is a couple hours from my home. So I didn't really know anyone on campus. I'm like, you know what? I'm just curious to meet these people because like, you're going to put that much effort into it. You know, why not? I got nothing to do this Tuesday night. Um, so I'd show up and got to know some of them. I think the first night we were out, they invited me out to Denny's and um, got to know some of them. And to be honest, I, I was pretty antagonistic um, because, you know, I'm very able to debate i'm very can be very argumentative um and i was very much characterized and we can talk to my people uh was very arrogant <laughs> arrogant and antagonistic i guess you could say okay. um but in the midst of this they would still put up with it um and try to minister to me which i'm sure w was a challenge um because my viewpoint wasn't just that i was an atheist but you know you're, you're kind of foolish for believing in christianity as well um so um what would eventually happen is um, through these conversations and, and through talking with people, um, developed relationships with the college ministry, but was pretty darn blunt. And I'm never going to be a Christian. Absolutely not. Uh, well, eventually I would have a conversation with one particular student. And I, I told them, you know, I could come back in two weeks with a cast iron reason as to why I am not a Christian and why you should not be either. Um, that particular student actually would eventually become my wife. Um, oddly enough. Um, that's ironic. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the that's person great. I told that to would become my wife and there's some other things. I'm uh, we could joke about with that. So, um, so over those next two weeks, um, God would radically change my heart and mind. And because, I mean, I, I was pouring over scripture trying to find, okay, here's the reason why th this entire book is just bunk essentially. Um, here's the argument as why none of us should believe the Bible and why none of us should be Christians. Um, but in the time period, God radically changed me from an arrogant individual who is comfortable um, uh, living and happy to live um, without God to recognizing my need for him. Um, he started tearing down the, you could say, the intellectual walls in my mind, um, but would especially tear down the barrier around my heart um, one particular night and make me new. Um, were all of my questions answered that night? No. Um, there were some questions I still worked through um, for a while, and, and there's probably still questions I'm working through today. Um, but ultimately, God would radically change my heart in, in one night. I remember um, it was 1 a.m. in the morning, um, kneeling on the small college room dorm floor um, mm. and giving my life to Christ. Um, and yeah, it, it was through 
reading his word and God ultimately working in my heart that, that brought me to Christ. Wow. Do you remember what scripture you were reading where it was kind of like you just like broke down? Um, there was quite a lot I was looking over. I, I always remember the one that sticks out in my mind is actually a passage from Ezekiel. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the passage off the top of my head right now. Um, but um, Ezekiel speaks about uh, a prophecy of the destruction of the city of Tyre, mm-hmm. uh, which if you Google Tyre right like today, um, you're going to come up with a city in the Middle East. I mean, it, it's still there. Um, but the, the prophecy in Ezekiel says um, the city will be destroyed, never to be rebuilt, and only fishermen will spread their nets there. Well, here, here's the difference. That ancient city of Tyre that was prophesied for destruction um, actually is no longer there. The current modern city of Tyre is, is actually like across the, the waterway, across the bay. Um, so it's not the same city, you could say. Um, and where the old city of Tyre that was prophesied for destruction is, it is now pretty much just a fisherman's village um, today. It's not a city. It's where fishermen spread their nets. Um, so I remember that one in particular, uh, um, reading and just when I realized that, just being amazed by it. Um, so, yeah just kind of like the realness of that, like, oh, this actually happened. Yeah. Cool. So how, how did this new belief change your life? Like what kind of lifestyle changes happened after that? Um, well, would change quite a dramatic, um, uh, uh, quite a bit, um, uh, especially my interactions um, with, with other individuals. Um, because I had a life, I had a, I had a reputation built um, around who I was, I guess you could say in Mock Haven. Um, mm-hmm. One guy, um, he actually, um, I think helped run one of the other college ministries, not New Life, but one of the other ones, um, had dubbed me the flaming atheist of Lock Haven University. Um, so that gives you a, a, an idea of what I was known as, um, the, the, the character and um, general conversations people had with me, um, particularly with the, col- with the college ministries. Um, but initially, when I, when I came to the village, like, yeah, I've gave, given my life to Christ, um, a couple of people were a little skeptical, mm-hmm. um, understandably so, like, wait a minute, you're the guy who was, like, trying to have a debate in Starbucks two weeks ago and chewing this person out. Um, <laughs> how, why would you ever be a Christian? Um, this guy, not, not a chance, but um, uh, eventually, um, the that God really had worked me. Was I still sinful? Did, did I still have to work through sin issues as we all do? Yeah. Um, but God would continue working in me, um, not just through sin, but also through uh, my heart and mind. Um, and and um, one of the one of the probably the biggest things, and um, the current associate pastor Aaron Battle um, has told me is he, he's seen probably the, one of the biggest changes is from arrogance to, to humility, because mm-hmm. that was more or less you would say I was almost known for as an atheist. Even the first year or two as a Christian, I was pretty darn arrogant. Like um, it was bad. Um, because now you've got a guy who, who's who thinks he knows everything at like being a Christian for three months he's going to mm-hmm. speak his mind um, which God has thankfully toned down um, but that's something that God's continuing to work on with me with certainly so but. wow that's really cool I mean it, it's neat probably for you like people who were in new life then or that still know you like seeing that progression sometimes that's really hard to like see in ourselves because we know our mm-hmm. sinful tendencies but then when other people are like wow you really like God's changed that in you that's that's encouraging yeah so now you're in ministry yeah so how long how long was it after 
your conversion to being a Christian, following Jesus, deciding that, was it that God was like, hey, I want you to do ministry? Um, so I was actually um, really uh, resistant to ever going into ministry of any kind, um, including any kind of a volunteer mentoring, teaching, or anything like that in the church. Okay. Um, so after I came to Christ in 2013, um, I wanted to be discipled by someone in the church. Um, oddly enough, my obsessive research for the purpose of arguing against Christianity had given me some degree of understanding of, okay, what's the next steps um, in following Christ? Um, and I would eventually be discipled by one of the older men in the congregation um, who would challenge me to serve in some area of ministry. We, we, we met regularly for, um, I want to say it was maybe a year, give or take. And he's like, okay, you, you, you got to get out and you got to get in and do something. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll agree at the door, help with traffic. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you probably should be in one of the other ministries, like college ministry, new life, uh, uh, or um, uh, the youth ministry. Hmm. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Um, because I had no desire for any kind of working in that sort of a ministry, because I viewed myself, um, as you can almost say, like permanently damaged goods that shouldn't be given any kind of uh, um, trust or, or chance in that sense. Because, I mean, I recognize that if we back up years, like my idea of going to, to Bible college for one semester was, I'm going to be a youth pastor and do all my just for the rest of my life. Like, this is not, I'm not someone you, you should trust in any sense, mm -hmm. um, in leadership in any way. Um, but he insisted, so eventually I consented, and I volunteered with uh, the middle school as a sixth grade small group leader. Okay. Um, and um, shortly after this, um, the youth pastor that we had on staff at that point resigned, um, and the youth were led by a series of volunteer leaders for the next several months. Um, and one week, there was a gap between one volunteer leader and the hiring of a new youth pastor. Um, so I actually um, sent an email to the, to the senior pastor and said, hey, if we need someone to do... Um, I think something for the youth for two weeks. That was the, the initial offer. You need someone just to like do something with the youth for two weeks. I, I can figure <laughs> something out because it was myself, uh, my then girlfriend at the time and one of our friends. So there was three college students who were helping okay. to run the youth ministry um, as well as the, the volunteer teachers, I guess could they coming through. And they said, okay, well, in two weeks we have this new guy hired. So sure. Well, this future hire actually never took the job. He ended up uh, backing out. Um, and what would happen is I would end up running the youth group as a volunteer for the next nine months. Um, and throughout this time, um, again, I had zero interest in going into ministry. I was dead set on medicine. Um, I was going to go and, and get my MD. Um, and um, the church elders, after those nine months as a volunteer, de facto pastor, I guess you could say, um, asked me to come on staff part time um, because I was already spending 15 to 20 hours at the church um, doing lesson prep, helping the um prepare for youth group and retreats and everything else um and i was working like two or three jobs at the time they they offered to pay me so i could like drop a job or two and because i was going to be in school um for one more year okay and i'm like sure i'll get I mean, i'm already here i might as well get paid um good deal so yeah um but i told them flat out I, i'm i'm not taking this permanently like this is one year i'm doing my mcats i've got my gres like i had everything sent out for med school um or was in the process of doing it. I'm just doing it while I'm finishing my undergrad. Um, so I took the part-time thing, um, telling them I'm certain I'm never going into ministry. Um, but obviously God would have other plans. So about halfway through that year, um, I turned to my then new wife of just a few months. Um, so this was all while we were getting engaged and married um, and said, I thought God was uh, potentially leading me into ministry. And her reply was, she'd be just kind of waiting for me to say this. Um, 
so I would come on staff full-time um, later in 2017, a year after I started part-time as a full-time okay. uh, pastor in Eldon. Um, so I have a wonderful wife. She thought she was marrying a medical doctor and she got a pastor instead. That's okay. Pastors are great. <laughs> wow. That is awesome though. So, so I was just thinking about that when you said like, you're only gonna do it for a year and, and how you said like, you'll never be a Christian. It's like, God's like, the way he talks, you must be like, you say, I'm not doing this. And then you're like, oh, I know it's going to be the opposite. <laughs> I don't say never too much anymore for um, <laughs> where God's taking me, at least. Um, that's, see, that's growth and wisdom. <laughs> he, he's he's going to do what, what is best for his glory and his plan. So, Amen. So now throughout, how long have you been doing, you said since 2017? Um, yeah, so I would have come to, um, became an atheist in late 2010, early 2011, um, would have... Um, come to Christ in October of 2013, okay. um, started um, working with the youth a year and a half after that, and then uh, would have started running the youth in late 2015. Okay. Um, so about two years after I became a Christian, I started running the youth group. And then two years after that, I was full-time on staff. Um, wow. So there, I, I, I've been thankfully blessed with a lot of good, older, godly, wise men around me. Um, to also tell me when I'm wrong um, and, and to encourage me and guide me and, and disciple me um, in this. So, Oh, that's awesome. So, all right. So you've obviously been there for a few years now doing youth ministry and family ministry. Are there moments where you've seen God just use your transformation story, like specifically to pour in to maybe students or just mm -hmm. kind of help do ministry? Yeah. And, and I mean, I've told my testimony on numerous occasions, but probably the biggest thing um, is just, I would almost say like uh, the, the approach and almost the openness I, I hope for, especially with youth ministry. Um, one of the things I, I tell students every um, year, especially at the beginning of the year, um, is no question is off limits. Um, because of like, you, you don't come to wanting to re reject God and reject the church and reject Christians. Um, in an instant, of course, there's questions that are boiling for a while or problems that are surfacing for a while. Um, I want students to, to know, hey, if you have a question or you're struggling or whatever it may be, let's talk about it. Like, like, like let's have a conversation. It's not going to be, you're going to come and say, oh, I'm struggling. I'm having doubts about the Bible. <gasps> what? No, no, no. Like, no, let, let's talk. I, I mean, God, God is real and God is big enough for our questions. Hmm. Um, so we can sit down and we can talk and, and we can work through those, um, as part of the church. That's what the church is here for, hmm. um, for us to challenge, but also lean on one another and work through these questions. Um, so that's probably been one, one of the biggest influences as well. Um, what are we teaching our youth? Um, emphasis, a, a heavy emphasis on, okay, how well do we know the gospel? Hmm. Um, if we look at, at statistics of what keeps youth in the church, after they leave youth ministry, it's not pizza parties, it's not aligners, um, it's not fun events. I do fun events, don't worry. But <laughs> ultimately, um, it is things like how well do they know the gospel being the number one factor? Do they have a thorough, robust understanding of the gospel and what that means? Um, do they have connections with adult believers that they can ask and work through questions with? And parents, massively important as well. Are, are they modeling um, uh, their faith out? Um, day in and day out. 
Um, but in all this, um, yeah, um, I guess that's it. Um, <laughs> that's so great, though, because well I'm sure now doing youth ministry, you like, probably think back to when you're in youth group, and you're like, man, I wish someone would have been there to answer my questions, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that probably is what gives you the mindset now for you to be like, ask me all the questions, like ask the questions. Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like for young people, they think like, oh, I shouldn't ask that because they might think I'm not a believer. And it's like, well, if you don't ask it, you don't grow. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. is cool that you make sure that they're asking questions and allowed to ask questions. Yeah. And, and things like apologetics. Um, students can comprehend and work through a lot more than we give them credit for at times. That's um, so starting to um, think about uh, evidential apologetics or um, even presuppositional apologetics, which people think of as like graduate level work. But I, I think we can introduce some of that um, earlier than what we expect um, and challenging and giving students um, tools in their toolbox so that when they're faced with questions, this isn't the first time they've heard of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really true, especially for high school students, because like depending where they go to college, if it's not a Christian college or even if it is like, there's going to be questions like that, that they're like, like, I know me, I was like, what? I don't know, but let me, let me go find my Bible and look it up. Cause I didn't know, you know? Mm -hmm. So like yeah. being prepared in that sense to go to another mission field, which is college um, is really important. Yeah. So then that kind of leads me to ask um, what guidance or, or advice would you give believers uh, on sharing Jesus with their either atheist or just non-believer friends? Like how, what's the best way to go about that? Or what's a way that you liked or wanted someone to approach you when you were a non-believer? Um, I would say really simply is approach them with um, uh, love and truth. Um, some of the people who made me pause, maybe the most you could say as an atheist, were those in spite of me being an absolute pain um, would sit down and say, hey, um, tell me your story. I'm not trying to debate you, but just, just tell me your story. Like, let me know, like, how you got to this point. Mm. Um, and as well, love others and tell them the truth. As, as you can, tell them lovingly, but tell them the truth. Um, tell them about their sin. Tell them about um, their place before a holy God. Um, our job is ultimately not to convince them. Sure, we can have conversations. We can ask questions. We can... Um, have cups of coffee in Starbucks and talk about um, what the, the subjects and the questions that come up. Um, but ultimately our job is to love others, show Christ, but also tell them, be a testimony um, and a witness to Christ for them. Um, because that change of heart is ultimately an act of the Holy Spirit. It's not a, a debate topic we're, we're going to be able to do ourselves. All right. Well, I don't have any other questions, but if you have any additional thoughts or comments that you want to share, please feel free to. Yeah, I don't have anything. Oh, so. actually, um, I had one more question that I like kind of pushed to the bottom because I wasn't sure if we'd get to it, but I think we have time. So being that like a college ministry was kind of how you start conversations that helped lead you to read the Bible and that God worked through to lead you to Christ. Can you speak to like the importance of, and you can include youth ministry in this too, but the importance of youth and college ministry? Oh yeah, college ministry. I, I think is massively important. College ministry in particular is a massively pivotal time where you have um, students away from families, 
generally trying to figure out, okay, what, how am I going to live my life? Mm -hmm. Which direction am I going to go? And working through um, the changes that are happening. I think we as the church need to come alongside college students and young adults, not just for college students, but young adults as a whole category, um, and be there, be there for them in that. I, I mean, how, how many pivotal decisions are made in that short four, five, six years? Mm -hmm. um, whether it's um, to be married or not to be married, what careers, where are we going to go? Um, how am I going to live my life um, in, in many ways? And the church is ultimately called to be intergenerational. Um, so one of the things that I love uh, most particularly about our college ministry is that it was so integrated with the church. Um, it wasn't, okay, there's going to be a, a, a however many gatherings a week that is just going to be having me as a 18 to 22 year old around other 18 to 22 year olds. Sure, we had some things that were just more or less the college students, but a lot of it was integrated with the larger church. So like when I was discipled by um, the older gentleman in the congregation i already knew exactly who he was I, i'd been to this house maybe a dozen times i i, I don't know for dinner or I'd run into him and there were so many other people in the congregation who, who were not college age who, who had the option to, and often did pour into um the college students and not just 30 year olds but um 30 to 72 all ages so I, I think college ministry um, is just massively important in that sense. And youth in college ministry, we're looking at, um, people always say like the church of tomorrow. Okay, yeah, it is the church of tomorrow, but it's also the church of today. We cannot neglect ministry to our youth in college and expect the church to be healthy in the next 20 years. It's just the fact of the matter. Um, and not only that, um, we're commanded by God to minister to teach to instruct um our children and our young people whether we're looking at hey fathers and mothers um bring your children up in the way of the lord or if we go further into older men instruct younger men older women instruct younger women um the, the church is not designed to be this incredibly separate um compartmentalized group that only comes together for an hour to stay and hear from one guy on a sunday morning um but it's a constant mixing of um the different generations in the ministry to one another. We have to invest in youth and college ministry um, and in families. For if we're doing youth ministry well, investing in families has to be a priority for the church. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. But Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just sharing with us how God completely changed your heart um, and then led you to be in ministry. It's it's so great to hear your story and it's very encouraging. Um, and I just thank you for sharing all that you have with us. If you, listeners, uh, are interested in finding out more about the church that Stuart works at and the college ministry that he was a part of at Lock Haven, you can head online to www.bigwoods.org and there you can check out you know the staff there you can check out when they meet you can look at the ministries that they are uh, participating in and you can even check out their Sunday services so lots of resources there for you to look at and enjoy and just kind of get a feel more about the community that Stuart is a part of so again that's all online at www.bigwoods.org and once you're done checking out Big Woods, you can head on over to brnunited.org. And that, of course, is the Baptist Resource Network's website. 
There you can find the article that goes with this podcast as well as all of the other stories of transformation that we've done up to this point. So yes, that does mean that there are 41 other stories and podcasts just waiting for you to read and listen and enjoy anytime that you want to. So again, all of that is free for you to check out online at www.brnunited.org. But you know, sometimes you can't just always log onto your computer and get onto a website or your phone. So for our podcast enthusiasts who love using their podcasting apps to tune into their favorite shows, this podcast is made available on Apple Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket, and Breaker. So uh, feel free to download any one of those apps or open them up, search BRN, 50 Stories of Transformation, and bam, there you go. You have access to all of the stories of transformation right there in your hand. We know that's sometimes easier when you're driving or cooking dinner, just putting on a podcast, setting down the phone, and listening and enjoying. So we hope that those resources are handy and convenient for you and your family. Listeners, it was so great to kick off this new year with you and with a brand new episode of 50 Stories of Transformation. Uh, We have eight more episodes to go in this series, so tons of encouraging content coming your way soon. Next week, we'll be heading into story number 43, and that'll be available starting next Thursday. So be on the lookout for that, and until then, have a wonderful week, everyone.